0: Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your voice come before your throne and receive everything that you have for us to receive, Lord. It's such a blessing to know that you are with us. We honor you. We love you. We thank you for this time with you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So uh, we're going to continue talking about um uh, uh what are we doing? Uh, spoiling the strong man. Yes, thank you spoiling the strong man uh and and this is really a teaching for intercessory prayers a teaching for watchmen uh there's no reason that christians should not pray i mean the fact that maybe they don't have a prayer time at your church you could talk to god and and there's materials when i first started I read every book on prayer that I could find. I still research prayer. I still listen to some of the older generals and, and who talk about their prayer lives. You can learn something from successful people. That's the way I put it. I know a lot of times people don't put much, uh, confidence in some of the older, uh, uh, ministers, leading ministers, those that, that had, uh, phenomenal ministries, uh, because they feel like their revelation is not up to date or something, but I, I just challenge you, put it, put it into practice. That's how you figure out if it's up to date or not, cause, cause their stuff works. I mean, they touched God, they were able to, and then too, who who's got their results? I don't know many people with some of the prayer results that some of those old saints had. So, so it's just one of those things. You, you gotta learn how to appreciate all that God has done through all of his people and uh and stay away from a lot of this pop I call it popular prophecy, you know, people promising you this and that and if you don't know how to to believe God and and bring those things to pass, that's not gonna help you. The fact that somebody saying this is for somebody and all this kind of stuff is it's not for you. Read your Bible and, and get to know God. He can do so much with us. Apart from from what we can can glean off of somebody else, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not talking about what you learn in the place where you're assigned, you know. God assigns people to different congregations and stuff, but you know there's time for you to be able to learn and in, in supplement and augment what what it is that you learn on a regular basis, and and so that's always good, you know. If it builds you up, it's a good thing. So I don't begrudge anybody from uh, you know, researching some stuff, or but just don't get these off the wall people. Know something about the people that you're looking at. You know, if somebody says Spurgeon or somebody says Wigglesworth or some, you those are valid ministries. You know, you can read those people. But I don't know John Brown. That's you know, oh he got a big church. That don't mean nothing. You understand what I'm saying? It just means that he knows how to advertise. Or somebody does amen, so he didn't get it like Jesus got it, Jesus would tell people don't tell nobody, and his fame grew. you know, you ever hear a minister tell somebody, Don't tell nobody that that I healed you. People don't say that stuff kind of stuff, so come on, y'all, so we know we know we know how to get valid teaching and sound teaching, you know <laughs> it was so funny. I was thinking about uh um uh you know the difference that you can how you can grow if you just focus on your relationship with god and and keep yourself in the things that feed your your relationship with him uh it reminded me of a story um that uh brother summerall tells and he was uh they were puzzled there was a woman that Uh, was in one of his churches i think he was still in the philippines at the time she they she was a school teacher and and every time she got paid she would sign her whole paycheck over and put it into the offering and he they saw that the women who counted the offering you know took note of it and got worried amen and then he got worried And they wondered what this woman's living off of. So he called her into the office and told her, now, we only expect 10%. You take most of this back because you've got to live, blah, blah, giving her this whole speech. And she said, no. She said, the Lord told me to do this. And so he, she kept doing it. The ladies, the offering ladies kept bugging him. He called her back in again. And she said, no, 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 you don't understand. She said, this is between me and the Lord. He told me to do this. And so they, she kept doing it and they still nobody believed her. Now, why is it that they, people don't believe you can hear from God? He's preaching and telling people to learn, learn God's ways and develop relationship for all this. So you can have relationship with God. And then when somebody has one, you doubt that God is telling them to do this. And so she she he bugged her again, and she said, "Would you please leave me alone?" She said, "I just want to tell you." She said, "Since I have been giving everything, God has blessed me so much." She said, "I've found out so much more about God." She said, "I'm healthier. I have more peace." She said, "I have more money. I have God's bringing it to her in another door, but in the meantime, He's showing her something about Him." that you don't get doing just the legal thing, just doing just what's required. See, if we can ever go beyond that level of what everybody else is doing, and, and don't do more than anybody else is doing or, you know, it's the devil. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if we can get to that place where we have relationship with God, where we know that we know that we know that He's moving in our lives and He's showing us stuff and, you know, He's probably calling our side and saying, let me show you something. Let me, let me tell you how this works. Let me tell you how I really want to bless you, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's just good to know that there's more to God than just our little mental rules and regulations that we want to hold him to. You know what I'm saying? And and sometimes them little mental rules and regulations don't work anymore. And you got to cry out to him to really get to know him. You know what I'm saying? And so so often we just get stuck down these little roads that we can't get out of. But I thank God that he he knows and he rescues us. Amen. He rescues us. So we're going to talk about spoiling the strong man. And we're either in, in, uh, the gospels where Jesus is dealing with this Gadarene, uh, demoniac guy, or we're over in the book of Exodus, uh, commanding Pharaoh to let go of people. Amen. And I believe Pharaoh was a strong man over this strong man. Because there has to be a consistent uh, characteristic that you follow when you examine these things and you begin to identify the activities of the strong man. You know, this is how, uh, God helped me develop the prayer manual. He would show me, uh, in the Bible, uh, these different, uh, spiritual entities and then he would take me to examples in, in real life. And so that was how I was able to write down all the different characteristics, how they operate, uh what they do and, and how they drive society. You've got to understand that all of our politicians, all of our ministers, all of our leaders, all of our rulers, even in your family and your household, all of all of uh humanity is influenced by the activity of these demonic entities. And until God's kingdom comes in and starts clearing some of this stuff out and removing their power and removing their goods, then we just live under their rule. And, and pretty much people are content. You know, I look at people sometimes and I think, boy, if, if half the people understood what was really going on behind the scenes, you know, they'd be more prayerful, more careful about, uh, you know, their their families they're you know more loving toward family members more apt to want to pray for them and and get a vision from God for what he wants for your children what he wants for your spouse what he wants for cousins and and all family members you know we would be more diligent about it because the enemy is there prodding and prompting people he's in the midst of strife he's in the midst of discontent he's in the midst of breakups he's in the midst of of theft and all of these things because he likes dividing he likes separating he likes uh taking trophies where he could say oh i caused a divorce in this family i caused them to split up you know that way he gets a trophy because you know people say uh things are real glib things like that oh well well you know it's not that bad on the children they adjust are you kidding me there's too many crackheads out here that come as a result of a family divorce now i'm not saying kids in a married family but your chances are much less if you have peace and contentment in your family at least your 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 discontent doesn't add to the stress already on people you know your kids have enough to face when they go to school their kids that don't like them their teachers that don't like them don't 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 wish them well in any any way and don't want to teach them anything you know when you start seeing uh, school systems more wanting to indoctrinate children than to teach them you know the basics of reading writing and arithmetic they they've modified that and changed that so much it doesn't even look like the basic stuff anymore your children don't even have a signature they uh, they just write letters you know, alphabet letters, and this is ridiculous. And see, this is demonic. And when these changes come, parents just look at them and shrug because you don't have time to go down to school. You're working two jobs. See, this is Pharaoh. You don't have time to get interested in in following your children. I remember this one one woman telling me one time that the uh, one of her children uh, they said was acting up in school and wouldn't behave, and she said she said I said. She said when she got the notice from the teacher, she wrote the teacher back, and she said, I will be up there. And she came there first period and followed, sat in class, whatever class her kid had all day long. No more problems after that. She only had, mom only had to show up one day and take care of things, and she let her child know, you're here to learn. And if I have to go to every class with you, and people will say, who is that? She, you know, ashamed. Yeah, that's right. Embarrass them. Let them know that you mean business with them if you have to. And so she said, this is how you nip things in the butt. But who does that anymore? See, who does that anymore? Now the people, and in, in for many, many decades now, people who really were serious about teaching their children right from wrong, teaching them good, uh, the subject matter really well, they pull their kids out and send them to homeschool. You got me? They homeschool their kids. But see, if both parents are working, we can't homeschool. We both, you know, till the COVID happened, and that's when they realized, oh, this is what they teach you? You mean to tell me this is all you do all day long up there in that school? So now people are aware. The first thing that happens when the strong man is losing his grip is people become aware of the evil that he's doing. And the parents began to see that their children that they saw what the teachers told them when they would have those online classes and they saw the teachers were talking a lot of nonsense and they said well when are you going to get down to to math or or what what are you reading in there and the teacher give them some flip assignment and then never come and check back on it you got me but you can't fire the teachers because they got a union pharaoh's behind the union too you got me? He's behind everything. So it's just a big setup to do what? Take your power away from you? Split up the family? Make you think that you can put your kids, that you could trust your kids to the education system? Seriously? Since when? That's never been true. Parents have always had to teach their children at home as well as send them to school. You had to make sure they did homework. When they start having them classes where they say, we don't have homework no more, you need to go up there and find out why. Find out why not. Because your kid needs to be engaged in learning. So now we've got it where nobody reads at their grade level anymore. They're graduating them from high school and they can't read at a fourth grade level. You got me? So, so you got to teach your children, parents, that is your job. The Bible says that you train them, you train them, you teach them, you train them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And God wants your kids to use their brains to learn. He wants your kids able to read, able to think, able to write, intelligent, able to do something more than go on social media and scroll through a phone. Amen. He wants them to be able, because how are they going to be successful in the world? You can't throw that responsibility onto somebody else. You can delegate some of it, but you better be in there checking up, and you better be in there uh, understanding what they're learning and, and make them, get them to the place where their gift gets developed. The gift that God put in them must be developed so it can make room for them. He put that gift in them so they can navigate through life. They can have success in life. It will put them in the, the company of very important people. But if if it's starving to be nurtured, that will never happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? So somebody's got to be responsible here. And parents have to do more than get two paychecks and go home and and do what they want to do with their free time. You know, this is just nonsense, so somebody got to be responsible here. And it is the parent's responsibility for the nurture and admonition of the children. Even if your children don't have the best of education, you can teach them how to be respectful, you can teach them how to be polite, you can teach them how to keep their word. If they're given something to do to follow up with them to make sure they get it done, you got me, that's training. It's training to be responsible. If that's never put in them, you know, they're gonna have a hard time being successful in life. Plus intelligence, reading, writing, all of that kind of stuff. And so that, that's something that, that must be established. And, and God has a way for you to get yours taken care of. I don't know about anybody else, but He's got a way for you. To get yours taken care of. But this is the work of the strong man, folks. He likes to keep confusion, he likes to keep division, likes to keep strife, amen, likes to keep you at odds with one another, lying to one another, cheating, all of that kind of stuff. That's, that's what he's into. And so when we understand what he's, how he maneuvers and how he operates, you can take authority over him and learn how to stay with god's kingdom how to stay with god's kingdom principles how to live your life by god because there's always going to be a strong man over the territory but you don't have to bow to him you just need to know his maneuvers how he operates and and keep him out of your life amen let let god be in charge of you and and you can do that you don't have to go along with every Every wind and wave that comes along. You don't have to go along with what society is doing and what's, what you think is normal now that people are, are living for the devil 24-7. You don't want to do that. Amen. You want to still live for God. So, so in this story about <clears throat> where Jesus first comes in contact with a strong man and we said that this strong man was over ten cities. Amen. And uh, these 10 cities were very, very prominent, uh very prominent cities. And it just happened that they were right on the Sea of Galilee, all of them. And and that was Jesus's territory because these actually were pagan cities. But it, it was it was kind of unique for him because, you know, he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was sent to the Jew first But when he would go to cities, the the thing of it is, the Jewish nation was scattered at this point. They were under Caesar's rule. And so being under Roman rule meant that Caesar was in charge of where they lived, where they stayed, all of that. So they would generally go where they felt comfortable, where there was not much persecution, uh, all of these things. So Jesus, in order to uh reach the Jewish people, had to somehow go into some of these cities that were 100% almost pagan, and they were very close to one another. Now, that's not by accident. That's by <clears throat> divine design, because Jesus came to the whosoever people, but he was sent specifically to the Jews why? Because he was promised to them. He was their promised Messiah. So the Bible says to the Jew first and then to the Greek or to the Gentile. And so when he went to preach, he always preached in the synagogues. He always preached in the places where Jewish people were being educated, where they were being taught. Where they would give their their sacrifices and do their worship, he went there definitely. But oftentimes he would go into these outer cities because he knew that there were Jewish people living there. There were Jewish uh, encampments there. In fact, I don't know. I don't know if I read any of this the first day we had the handout but if you brought yours i hope you bring them just stick them in the back of your bible or somewhere keep them with you and you know until we're done with them but on the uh, page do you have yours honey okay go in my office and ask pastor Shirley look on my desk and give you one okay all right give your daughter one cuz she can read too you have yours miss pat okay bring 3 amen y'all bring this stuff cuz this paper ain't cheap okay cost time and everything i have to go pick these up myself i don't have nobody <laughs> i'm feeling it you know what i'm saying but keep these things we're still studying this okay so keep them and read them at home. don't don't make me feel like i'm doing this for nothing humor me as they say <laughs> pat me on the back <laughs> but i give these out because it's knowledge that's what we're all here for we say so anyway But anyway, we're on page four of seven. They're sitting right on my desk. It says here, autonomy under Rome. So it's talking about Decapolis or the ten cities. Under Roman rule, the cities of the Decapolis were not included in the territory of the Herodian kingdom. That was the one that was under Herod. You know that Romans had a a very... um, detail system and this is something that's interesting too because their system of government gets to be mirrored by the strong man you got me so the strong man really set up rome in charge there and they set them up um uh, uh in a mirror of what what the strong man what Easy for him to manage, amen? And it says, under Roman rules, the the cities of the Decapolis were not included in the territory of of the Herodian kingdom. And Herod really ruled, the. it was pretty Jewish heavy where Herod ruled, amen? Remember, he was the one that built the temple for them, so he was very kindly, and he, he considered himself somewhat of a Jewish convert. And that's why John the Baptist got on his case when he married Herodias, who was his brother's wife, remember? And it says, It's successor states of the Herodian Tetrarchy, or the Roman province of Judea. Instead, the cities were allowed considerable political autonomy under Roman protection. Each city functioned as a polis, or uh, city-state, P-O-L-I-S, so... uh, when you see the word metropolis, yeah, Indianapolis, that means a city-state or a city on its own. Amen. And it says, instead, the cities were allowed considerable political autonomy under Roman protection. So it's, each one kind of governed itself. It's kind of like, you know, our, our kinds of government here. We have a mayor. We have a governor over the state. It's broken down like that. So a lot of this breakdown of, of discrete pockets of authority and who can go here and who can, who rules this area, who all that dividing up, that's the work of the strong man. Amen. God doesn't do that. He, he lets the strong man who thinks he runs things, he lets him set it up and then he goes and sends some Christians in there to convert everybody. So the strong man's little, little power structure don't bug God. So he's not there to overthrow anybody's really, uh, form of government, so to speak. He sets up his own government wherever he wants to. And it that don't bug him. So don't get excited about, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm gonna take my city for God. That's wonderful. Go out and preach. You know what I'm saying? Just go preach, okay? That's all he's told you to do. He ain't told you to take nothing. So amen. If you took it, you wouldn't know where to take it. Just go take take your household, you know, take your take your little little streets you live on. Amen. And it, it says and it, it had they were instead the cities were allowed considerable political autonomy under Roman protection. Each city functioned as a polis or city state with jurisdiction over an area of the surrounding countryside. Each minted its own coins. So every city state, every each one of these 10 states had their own money. Amen. Now. Now. Many times it says they minted them, but that doesn't mean whoever was in charge, their picture was on there. And how do we know that? When Jesus, somebody asked Jesus if he paid taxes, the the Pharisees want to know. They try to get him in trouble all the time. If he said he didn't pay taxes, they'd go run and tell Caesar. You got me? So that's all they were doing that for. But Jesus said, whose picture is on that money? Amen. And they answered him, Caesar's. So Caesar had his picture on everything. All the money had his face on it, but the city-states were free to, to mint as much as they needed. Amen. They they didn't have like a Fort Knox like we do. So they that was very common to do. Many coins from Decapolis cities identified their city as autonomous, free, sovereign, or sacred, terms that uh, imply some sort of self-governing status. The Romans left their cultural stamp on all of the cities. Each one was eventually rebuilt with a Roman-style grid of streets built around a central cardo or decumanus and the romans uh, sponsored and built numerous temples and other public buildings so the romans remember that slogan all roads lead to rome it's because rome built all the roads and they were in charge and they made sure all of the the people they were in charge of knew how to get where caesar lived amen and they had an elaborate system they they had a lot of slaves and they had a lot of activity and they paved, they were the first uh, government that had paved roads. So that made it very easy for people to get around. So people moved quickly because of Roman rule. So there were a lot of good things about all of these, all of these cultures have good things about them. Amen. For instance, the Egyptians, why did everybody go down to Egypt when they, they were starving in their country? It was because the Egyptians had an elaborate system of farming. They had even though it was a lot of desert, they created their own uh, uh lush farmland because they knew how to pipe water through the different from the Nile they everything came from the Nile river that's why they worshipped it that's why they worshiped there but all the the they had an elaborate system of what they call viaducts aqueducts and and they had a foot pump. To water the, the gardens that they would use to, to grow. And in, in fact, it was so elaborate, you know, when Joseph's time, they were able to feed the whole known world. Everybody in the world came down to Egypt when their, their crops failed and they couldn't grow anything because of the drought. They would come down to Egypt and buy and sell. And Egypt was very, very, God plants areas like that where he will even in the rule of of the strong man, God will put people there and give them ideas, witty inventions, ideas, and they don't have to be God's people either. They just have to be in need and crying out, and God says he, he blesses who he wants to bless and he knows he has a need for it that's why a lot of times the bible says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just folks it's it's not like he's blessing sinners because they do good he's blessing them because they want to stay busy and they want to make something and they want to grow something they want to do something but at some point guess who's gonna get all that amen his people so it's laid up for us folks that's the way that ain't my system that's god's word that's his system because eventually, when wicked people get in control of things, what do they do with it? They wind up destroying themselves, everybody else in the process. Remember God would tell israel he said the the uh um the cup of iniquity so and so's cup of, of of iniquity is not full yet. He said, "I don't want you to to uh, engage those people in war because their cup, of, their cup of iniquity is not full. God watches everybody. We're all on a cup, folks. Now we're on a cup of righteousness. But He would judge those nations as whether they served Him or not, whether they did the right thing, whether they were reaching out to Him, whether they were doing good for the people. This is how He judges by His own judgment." And many times, when the cup of iniquity was full, he told those people who the Hittites and all the people that that he gave Israel their land. He says, "I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. It's the land of the," and it was people living on that land. And he promised his people houses they didn't build. Amen. You ever been to a? a, a you ever bought a, a house? We don't get access to them all. It's there. People get them way before us little buyers get to them, but there are times when when realtors will become aware of houses that are being reclaimed by the banks and they can buy them for whatever's just left on that mortgage now, if they get a glut of them, then the regular buyer can get some of those but that's how real estate agents get get rich they get the the bank foreclosed houses they get all these and somebody's buying those houses, folks. And, and sinners lose their property all the time. Why? They don't have a covenant with God so they can hang, they don't have a guarantee for nothing that they're trying to build in life. But they keep trying to build because it's in people to do that. And God will allow them to do it. And if, if they get judged as to their lifestyle isn't holding it up, a lot of them people are crack addicts and they're going to lose their property. They're going to lose everything. They're going to lose jobs. A a believer come along praying for a job. Sometimes that's how you get your job. Somebody that couldn't hold on to it lost it. But they'll find God. If they're smart, they look. They have a chance to find the Lord. Folks, this ain't a a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. But this is how the cycle of, of finances and property and business and all, that's how it runs. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for us, folks. All we gotta do is claim what's rightfully ours. Now you don't go and look at your neighbor's stuff and say, I want that guy, give me my neighbor. You don't do that. Call covetousness. This will be a transaction. You have no idea what's going on, but God will make sure it lands in the hands of a believer. Amen. Somebody who can do something godly with it. That's why he wants us to have things. And he promises to take care of us. His kingdom is is unlimited and everlasting, so there's no limit to what God can put into your hands if you're faithful to Him. Just stay faithful to God. Keep keep your keep the switch of faith turned on. Amen. Just keep be believing. Keep be believing. Amen. So anyway, it says here the Romans left their cultural stamp on all of the cities. Each one was eventually rebuilt with a Roman style grid of streets. Based around, so there was a central cardio, you know, which means heart, you know, so in the center was the heart of the city, or the, we call it the town square, that, that concept came from the Romans. And all the cities branched out from that one town square and they kept going and kept going and kept going till the next city etc etc and it says here the romans sponsored and built numerous temples and other public buildings these were smart people folks see the the fact that that somebody uh, helps you to build a church doesn't mean they love your god amen see god knows the difference don't fall in love with people cuz they give you know, you've got to be smarter than that. you got to love everybody, but don't let yourself be moved by their giving so the Romans would help people build them. The imperial cult, the worship of the Roman emperor, was a very common practice throughout the Decapolis and was one of the features that linked the different cities. A small open-air temple or facade called a calabi was unique to the region. The cities may also have enjoyed strong commercial ties. And this is how these ten cities, anything on the Sea of Galilee was a good commerce place. That was that was the money place. Amen. And it says it was fostered by a network of new Roman roads. This has led to the common identification today as a federation or league. The Decapolis was probably never an official political or economic union. Most likely, it signified the collection of city-states which enjoyed special autonomy during early Roman rule. But we know the Decapolis was run by one strong man, don't we? Even though it never surfaced in the natural, there was one man that ran it. And this is part of the deception of the enemy. He keeps himself hidden and not obvious by working underneath the surface, even though he's running all this stuff, he will never put one name on it, he won't put one stamp on it, he won't, but you will find at some time, at some point, an identification of all of this is made because when the strong man is obvious, you know, once he gets dethroned you knew you know what he was running you got me because there's freedom there you see a change there you see sometimes you see a change in the government there you see a change in political parties sometimes you'll see that kind of change happen that's when the strong man is is being moved and pushed off of his control of things you see freedom come you see you see these different things uh start to come about that movie that, that we're promoting now, Sound of Freedom. This is because people have, have gotten freed out of these cults and now they're beginning to tell their story. They're beginning to share. And this is how freedom comes. It comes by word of mouth. Your freedom will not come directly from your government. Many times you're going to have to fight your government to get your freedom amen you you ask anybody my age that marched during the civil rights movement we had an emancipation proclamation for 100 years and it wasn't enforced there was still segregation everywhere so you still got to march and get free you still got to by word of mouth say nope this is not right we're not going to put up with this we have a uh we have a constitution that guarantees we have freedom and we want that enforced and so this was an activity that went on during the 50s and the 60s in this country. Amen. So by word of mouth, people began to share. We we we've got a right to freedom, but we're not quite free. Not everywhere we're supposed to be free. Amen. And so this is this is how freedom comes. It comes through. And and you can tell when God's behind it because God's people generally use uh, lead it or have a voice in it. Or have some kind of say in it, Amen. And so this is this is how you know a move of God. Now, when we had the civil rights movement in the in the '60s, we had new addendums to the cons- amendments to the Constitution that emphasized you could not discriminate against people by race, religion, all of that, and it included penalties. That was never written in the law before. So when you get in somebody's pocket, it'll shock you how much they love you and what you're around all of a sudden. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so this is something that this was led by a move of God. Amen. You ask anybody, Alveda King's still alive. She knows she can, you know, that's why she's so valuable to people now in the government period. I don't care what party they're in or what side they're on. She's sought after by a lot of people as an advisor in government for, for the knowledge that she has and the experience that she has. Amen. And so, so these people are very, very valuable because they understand how this thing is done. How did God set it up? How did God move? What did he have people do? And the, 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 uh, principle of a uh, passive resistance, just going out with a sign, showing people what was going on. Many times it irritated the strong man of segregation. Racism is a strong man. It's a spirit. It's not people, folks. That spirit get on anybody. It don't care what color you are. Devil don't care what color you are. He'll jump on anybody. You understand what I'm saying? And so as a spirit, see, as long as people are trying to fight it as people, you'll never win. But if you fight it as a spirit, you'll get authority over it. Amen? And so I know y'all don't believe that. Just, you know, because people are used to thinking color. They don't like me. I hate them. You know, you got to wash your brain of that stuff. You know, God had to, God got me straight on that when I first started ministry. He said, you can't dislike nobody. And you got to get this color thing out of you. Amen? Everybody's got one. So... White, black, whatever, cause we're, we're steeped in that. That's all we ever hear. People don't like you cause of this, cause of that, cause of that. And when have we been on a popularity contest? If you're a Christian, you used to people not liking you. <laughs> it's usually cause the Holy Ghost lives in you. I don't care what color you are. Amen. So, so anyway, these laws were enacted and then you start seeing the counterfeits. Because right after the civil rights movement that was led by black people who knew that they were discriminated against, couldn't get jobs, couldn't go to hotels, couldn't get all this, a lot of businesses that had segregated like lunch counters and, and all of those business, them people out of business now. I mean, racism will put you out of business. Favoring one group of people over another will put you out of business because you don't have God's favor. When have you seen a Woolworth store? And Woolworth was notorious for segregated lunch counters, especially in the South. You don't even see them people no more. Them buildings got torn down, bulldozed, and somebody else has got that space now. This is how God operates, folks. Now, if you don't think God is solving the problem, I got news for you. he have been working on this for a long time. He's been working on it for a very long time. If we will let God work and believe, if we get stupidity out of our brains and hatred out of our hearts, we'll be able to see better what the enemy's doing and overcome it. You won't overcome the strong man if you got anything of his inside of you. What did Jesus say? He said, "Satan is 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 getting ready to move, but he's got nothing in me." This is what you want to be able to say. He don't have nothing in me. I don't have anything against anybody. I don't feel like anybody hates me. I don't hate nobody. I love everybody. And you got to be living that for real. Because it'll tell on you. You go to hit a demon and he hits you back hard. You'll know he's got something in you. So let's just be clean Christians. Amen. (laughs) Be clean Christians. So anyway. How'd I get way over there? <laughs> but see, see, now, now see after the civil rights movement, then the counterfeits come along for the ride. Then it was the women that wasn't getting treated right. So they, they're riding in on the. now it's LGBTQ and they, they're going all the way down to Z and Z plus. Cause them people don't stop. They gonna come up, they come up with a new perversion. Every time you look up is a new sexually perverted person that we gotta include in everything now. No matter how they behave. Now when we had racial se- segregation and, and civil rights came, it was that we wanted to be judged on the content of our character. Not on the color of our skin. So this is how you judge people on whether, whether or not they mean you good, whether or not they're right people, whether or not, you know, you can X anybody out that don't mean you right. Amen. So this is for people who have some, some integrity, people who have some, some manners, no right from wrong, obey the commandments, have love in their heart. Amen. You can embrace anybody like that, but people who mean you wrong, you don't have to embrace them. So it's not a free pass for anybody who says, well, I'm this color, I'm, the, I'm that minority. It's not a free pass. Never has been. Amen? You can be just, somebody can fire you, not because you're black, but because you don't come to work on time. Right. Or, or you stay in the coffee room, or you talk back to your boss, or you, you know, try to intimidate everybody in the job, on the job. Come in there with your mouth stuck out and go for bed and all that. They You know, people don't want you around like that. Content of your character. It's got to be a character thing. So now we got everybody. I don't know who's coming next, but it looked like the LGBT. They add a letter to the alphabet every year. And they want a whole month to show out and be in the streets with no clothes on in front of your kids. And if you're crazy enough to think that you have to be around people like that or you're a bad person, there's something wrong with you. People bring their children out and let them watch that stuff, and they just smile, and we love you, and, and we have nothing against your people, and I do. Anybody don't have clothes on, I figure you need a devil cast out of them. If you read your Bible, you think the same way too. Them people ain't normal. Adam and Eve was naked and God put clothes on them. We've been wearing clothes ever since. So anyway, these Roman cities... The cities may also have enjoyed strong commercial ties fostered by a network of Roman roads. We said that the New Testament Gospels of Matthew, Mark and Luke mention that the Decapolis region was a location of the ministry of Jesus. According to Matthew 4, uh, Decapolis was one of the areas from which Jesus drew his multitude of disciples. So there were a lot of converts in that area. Guess why? How? Huh? We know why? Well, we'll get it. We'll put it all together in a minute. I'll give you a minute to put it together. But when you, when you, when you bind a strong man, dethrone a strong man, you spoil his house. So that's how he drew so many converts in that area. Through that man's testimony, it wasn't just Jesus preaching. When he first went there, they told him to leave. They saw the kind of power he had, and all the demons inside of them started shaking. They said, oh, no, get out of here. We don't want this. We were happy the way we were. Huh? they're happy being demon possessed, they're happy going to the fake temple with Caesar you know worshipping Caesar, and that they're happy like that. There are a lot of people you go to them and tell them about Jesus. they don't want to get saved no, i'm no, I'm good i i I'm good, boo, you ain't good, you're on your way to hell, you ain't good. Amen. God sent me here to tell you you ain't good but but you know how people are they enjoy sin. They're, they like their sin, and they're not ready to give up their sin. That's what they think about. And this is what unnerved them. This is what shook them up. And he says they they were attracted by his healing of all kinds of sickness. They're quoting the scriptures. The Decapolis was one of the few regions where Jesus traveled in which Gentiles were in the majority. So he's hitting this area that's, that's deep, uh, in Gentile. These are unbelievers, strong levels of unbelief in these areas. And it was one of the few areas he traveled that had that many Gentiles. He went mostly to his own people. Amen. And it says here, where Gentiles were in the majority, most of Jesus' ministry focused on teaching to the Jews. Mark 5, 1 through 10 emphasizes the Decapolis' Gentile character when Jesus encounters a herd of pigs, an animal forbidden by the kashrut, which was the Jewish dietary laws. Amen. It says a demon-possessed man healed by Jesus in this passage Asked to be included among the disciples who traveled with Jesus, but he did not permit him as he wanted him to tell his friends what the Lord had done and instructed him to remain in the Decapolis region. So once you strip the strong man of all his demons, you can spoil his house, but Jesus made him the one to go and tell all these people that they were free now amen i used to be like you but i'm free jesus set me free look at me don't you want to be like me and they wanted to be like him why because they've been under his rule he had influence over this region and so jesus allowed him to use his influence to tell people now what jesus can do for them. it says here also the decapolis came under direct roman rule in AD 106, so this is was 70 years after Jesus' resurrection, when uh, Arabia Petraea was annexed during the reign of the emperor Trajan, the cities were divided between the new province and the provinces of Syria and Judea, In the later Roman Empire, they were divided between Arabia, Palestina, Secunda, which the Psychophilus served as a provincial capital while Damascus became a part of Phoenice Libyanesis. In other words, these over the years, these cities, even though they got split up, different strong men now have power over them. They get split up again, taken away from them, get split up again, taken away from them. And drop down says here, however, the Decapolis was no longer a unit of administration. So when you take authority over the strong man, his whole system disintegrates. So it wasn't like under his one rule anymore. It started getting split up with different influences. And it says here, the Roman and Byzantine Decapolis region was influenced and gradually taken over by christianity so by about the third century almost everybody there was a believer whereas opposed to when jesus first preached there they were all under the influence of the strong man and demon possessed so you can see why jesus it was a good move on his part to challenge the strong man and not back down did not not leave there until he did a complete work. now the Bible says when the a demon leaves a person, they are clean, swept, and garnished, but the devils come back, and they will bring seven more worse than they were, and the last state is worse than the first. So how do you not leave a vessel? cleaned and garnished you fill them up amen so jesus had a plan he came back there he visited over and over and over again to make sure the people heard the full gospel but he released the strong man to go and give his testimony so the first the first gospel that got preached over there was by this ex demoniac He's now preaching, telling them, Jesus said, you tell them what I've done for you. Amen. Same thing with the woman with the issue of blood. Her story got around so fast, everybody was talking about. It. And then by the next time, the time Jesus got to the next city, people were laying out in people in the cots in the street just wanting to touch to him. Why? They heard that's how you got healed. Amen. By touching him. So Jesus did a lot strategically through testimony. Through example, through his own preaching and teaching, he knew how to go back to these regions and fill in where people didn't understand too much. He also had already anointed the 12 and then 70 more. So his ministry is growing. That's how, that's how the Pharisees wanted, that's why they wanted to kill him. Because it, the influence was spreading like, it was like wildfire like nothing you've ever seen before. Amen. We we talk about revivals and moves of God there in in 3 years for Jesus to do this kind of damage to the devil's kingdom? Give me a break. We've seen anything like that. Amen. Even with what we've seen and and it's been the Holy Ghost and it's been good. It's going to get better. It's it's building up and it's building up. Cuz we never never see anybody uh uh Compare moves of God to what Jesus did. We compare them to Pentecost and latter rain, secondly. We compare it to what man did, because we the, the Bible says very clearly, if all the things that Jesus did were written down, all the books in the world couldn't hold everything that He's done. So we won't outdo him, but he said we would do greater works, which means that we will do probably on a a a level in different diverse areas at one time. See, he was just in one central area. Now that there's Christians all over the globe, folks, these are the greater works. We're doing them here, there, and everywhere now. Amen. And cannot be stopped. And so this is, this is how Jesus evangelized in different areas, folks. And we do well to take note. One good testimony from somebody who will, will, will faithfully give that testimony. Amen. Can turn a whole world upside down. Turn ten cities upside down. And turn them into, to places where Christian by the third century, Christianity dominated where they were pagan worshippers before. They worshipped the Caesars. They worshipped everything. They were they were Greek and Roman gods that they worked. Remember when uh, Paul went to Ephesus? That thing was taken over by everybody worshipped Diana. So much so, she was the the main source of income for. <laughs> they made Diana statues for every house. Some people had ten and twelve of them. Amen. That's why they were mad at that, that girl that, that couldn't, you know, tell fortunes anymore. Amen. Cause that city was given over to witchcraft. So she couldn't, people couldn't make money off of her anymore. Amen. It was, it's a money maker. Witchcraft is. And so this is the, 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 uh, um, uh, report from the strong man, from just one man that, that was in the tombs and was given over to demonic activity, was inhabited by legions of demons, he said. He said, we are many. It didn't say how many, it just said we are many. Amen. And so there were many devils in this man. And so Jesus was able to deliver him and to uh, let him evangelize. So I'm going to just read the account in in um, uh, Matthew. I wanted to read the Matthew account. I think it's... In chapter four, where he tells the story there, because we did do the Luke account, we did the, did Luke and Mark, and we can do Matthew. Amen. Oh, I'm sorry, it's Matthew nine. No, it's not! Ah. Is that where it is? Oh, yeah, sorry about that, gang. Okay, Matthew 8, Luke 8. Oh, the woman with the issue of blood is Matthew 9. I just read her every day. It says here in 28, and when he was come to the other side of the country of the Jergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils. So these are two men actually were there, coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, thou Son of God? Are you come here to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. And we know that those were probably uh, Gentiles that kept the swine. This was not Jewish people. Amen. As some people tell that. And they just, it just doesn't give you enough information to say that. And it's probably not true anyway, because they didn't, they didn't hurt. They wouldn't know a Jewish man wouldn't know what to do with a bunch of pigs. You know what I'm saying? It says, so the devils besought him, saying, if you cast us out, let us go away into the herd of swine. He said, go. When they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, a herd of, the whole herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their way into the city and told everything that was befallen uh, to the man possessed of the devils. And the whole, behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they asked him to leave their coasts. In other words, they're they're afraid. So these people are still possessed with devils. They still have demonic influence in them. And so Jesus leaves. But he leaves a witness there as somebody who can tell their testimony and tell their story. So many times he would have somebody who could go ahead of him. He had the, he used this system and and we've seen it used by other uh, evangelists, apostles. They would send intercessors ahead of them to either go into a city and pray, uh, so that they could get some some uh authority, get some of that demonic activity crushed and get it underfoot so that they get what I call it a clearing or an opening for people to be able to hear the gospel. Because these people weren't in any position to listen to Jesus preach nothing. He would like to have preached to them, but the only thing he could do was get them free first, and then he could come back later and fill them in. And this is how his ministry went with with them, because you see that over in Luke. I'm trying to get where I can tie it all in at one time. I think it's Luke chapter 8. Yeah. It, yeah, in Luke chapter 8 verse 39, it says, re, Jesus is instructing this, this, uh, ex-demoniac. He says, go back to your own house and show how great things God has done unto you. In other words, I want you to tell it. And I want you to tell everything. I don't want you to keep anything to yourself. And he went his, his way and be and published throughout the whole city and then in one of the accounts we have it says in decapolis so that meant all ten cities so he went to every city that was familiar to him every city that had an open door for him to go preach that's where he written preached and jesus knew that he would get an open door there because his influence was still there see they may not all have met him personally but they've been under his influence. Amen. It, it's like people that, that, you know, it's a typical, you get healed from a certain disease, you want to go back and minister to those people. There's a, an opening of credibility you have, and there's an opening of need that, that you have. People who have been, uh, bound on drugs. They'll go back and start talking to their drug addict friends or pr- start praying for them and ask God to send a messenger to them. But they're, they're eager to let people know that they can be free as well. So that's a common, a common trait of the gospel that when that freedom and that message comes into your heart, you want to, you can't help but tell it. Amen. It, it's inside of all of us. But for certain ones of us, We need to go where the door is open. So God will tell you where that open door is. For some drug addicts, you don't need to go back. Some of them are too new. Like Jesus would tell some of those people, he said, "Uh, no, I don't want you to go. Don't tell anybody what happened to you. Why? Usually they weren't strong enough to hold on to that healing. Because people would start to pick at them and, and what do you mean? You get what you well how can you well how come you steal this? I don't believe that. You know, they get into a defense, a debate with you where you gotta defend what God did for you and not everybody's strong enough to do that, amen. Especially when, when they're just newly healed. But this man had influence. See, it's different with a strong man. Because he already has influence on these people. He already speaks their language. He already has a kinship with them where he can, can go into that kinship and they see that he's free. They see that he's, he's normal. They see and they want what he has. And that's how Jesus was able to win these people over was through this man's preaching. It says in verse 40, it came to pass that when Jesus returned, he always goes back, always goes back. The people gladly received him and they were waiting for him. So when they were first, when the the strong man first gets dethroned, they're scared and they want him to leave. Why? When demons start leaving you, you're insecure. You don't know what you want they need to be filled up. They need to be delivered and filled. And that's what this ex-demoniac guy did. He got them delivered and filled just like he was to his level. And so Jesus then was able to go in and that city kept their Christianity. I mean, for Roman cities to come through like that, that was pretty amazing. You know, after uh, considering all the the uh, war that came over Christianity, over the gospel in that region, the fact that they remained Christian areas is, is very, very amazing. So, so praise God. So that's the power of dethroning a strong man. When you raid his house, when you, you spoil him, you take everything he's got. Amen. You don't leave anybody uh, not free you You get everybody free in an area when when you get rid of him, you can get people free amazingly free now, I remember when we um um after the um uh three three women that were held held uh imprisoned in that house on the west side in Cleveland when I turned on the news and I was watching, and there were people dancing in the streets. Nobody, there was no block party. There was no music. There was no, that, that man, the demons that he had kept that whole neighborhood in bondage. See, you can be in bondage and not know it. Amen. They're living, going about their business, doing what they do. Everybody's okay. But when those women got free and that, that strong man lost his grip, it was like, break and the whole neighborhood changed everything about it changed the city went later after they had gathered all their information all their evidence against him Uh, he was housed in jail i don't even think he lived to the trial he committed suicide in jail amen that's what that's how the devil pays his workers amen he suicides you if he don't want you living to tell anything Think what what it was, what people who are spiritually smart think what they could learn from him if he got to tell everything. You got me. He don't want you giving. He uh uh-uh. uh. You gonna have to pay him to get his information. Devil likes to be paid for everything. Amen. And if he knows that, that you know a lot about him, he don't want it told. He'll kill you. When you're no longer any use to him, he'll definitely kill you. But as long as that man was alive, he kept that whole neighborhood in bondage. Amen. And I remember there was a freedom. It even poured over into the, the, uh, the downtown region. Remember the, uh, Cavaliers, uh, they, they had just won the championship there. There were a million people marching them streets. Nobody fought anybody. Nobody got out of control. Nobody, I mean, nobody did anything. It was amazing. Totally amazing. Amen. So, so God knows what he's doing, folks. When he, when he does these things, you got to learn how to roll with it and, and please continue to pray. Don't ever think praying, you know, well, we just pray these same prayers. What else you going to do? You know, you got something better to do with your time. You ain't doing nothing, sitting up looking at some stupid television or something. Really, you could turn that idle time into to freedom for somebody. You tell it, turn it into a, a good work for somebody. You can turn it into something that God can honor, and God, do something for God. This is what we do for God, folks. You do, This ain't about us right now. This time we spend together on on these days, this is God's time, and so we do the business that he wants us to do. So we're going to take authority over Pharaoh again. I'm going to have to tell some more about him later. I've I used up all my time, but you all understand. Now don't throw these papers away. Now, I don't want to frisk y'all every time you come in here. Make sure you got them. But, but refer to these. Read them yourself and, and pick up some things that you didn't know. Makes your Bible a lot more interesting sometimes when you know what's going on. So praise God. Well, Lord, we thank you. We bless you and we praise you, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Forgive us, Lord, our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, help us to be diligent in what we're doing. Help us to be studious, Father, about your word and about what you're doing in the earth. Help us to be obedient, Father, in our prayer lives. Uh, Whether it's for us or interceding for somebody else, Lord. Help us to be faithful in all of our house. Like you said, Moses was. We want to have that good report about us too. And so, Father, we take authority over the spirit of Pharaoh. And we ask you, Lord, raise up your people and declare to you, Pharaoh, to let the people of God go. These are the called out by God. And let the people who are called to serve God, who haven't heard the gospel yet, let them go. So that they can have the freedom to choose to worship and serve. Of the Lord, we take authority over you and your servants. we bind your powers of pride, compromise, false authority, witchcraft, false signs and wonders, oppression, bondage, man killing, abortion, deceit, fear, idolatry, child abuse domestic violence, drug abuse and prostitution. We plague your land with pestilence and famine. We rain hail and fire on your spiritual wickedness. Our prayers are like boils in your flesh. We scatter your servants. We strip your chariots of their wheels. We strip you of your strength. We refuse to serve you any longer by the arm of flesh. We will only serve the living God by the Spirit. We speak only woe to you and weeping and sorrow for you. We say that the Lord, he is God. He has already defeated you. He has taken the honor from you. We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you are our strength and our song. You have become our salvation. You are our God. You are our dwelling place, and we will exalt you. Lord, you're a man of war. Jesus is your name, and Pharaoh's chariots and hosts you have cast into the sea. You drowned his chosen captains. The waters covered them. They sank to the bottom of the ocean as a stone, Father. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. You've broken the enemy into pieces. In the greatness of your power, you've overthrown them that rise up against you you sent forth your wrath which consumed them as stubble with a blast of your nostrils the waters were gathered together they stood upright as a heap the enemy said i will pursue i will overtake (laughs) i will devoid the spoil my lust will be satisfied upon them i'll draw my sword my hand will destroy them you already blew with your wind and the sea covered them they sank like lead In the mighty waters. Who is like unto you, O Lord among God? Who is like unto you? Holiness, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises and doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand. That is Jesus. You swallowed the the earth, swallowed the enemy. You and your mercy have led forth the people you redeemed. You have guided them in your strength into a holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the wicked. The rulers of wickedness shall be amazed. They shall tremble and melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them By the greatness of your arm, they shall be as still as a stone till the people pass over, O Lord, till your people pass over, which you have purchased. You will uh, bring them into the mountain of your inheritance in the place which you have made for them to dwell in, in the sanctuary which your hands have established. Lord, you rule and reign forever and ever and ever. And we thank you, Lord, for including us in your plan. We thank you, Lord, for choosing us. We did not choose you. You chose us. We just really don't understand how it happened, but we're so thankful it did, and we bless you and we praise you, Lord. We worship you and magnify you, for certainly, Lord, you are worthy to be praised, you're worthy to be adored, you're worthy to be glorified, you're worthy to be magnified and highly exalted, Lord. You're highly exalted over all gods, and we praise your holy name, Jesus. We praise your holy name. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing us. Lord, bless this city. Bless our government. Bless our people. Bless our land. We are still one nation under God. And we thank you that that will never change because you don't change. And we honor you and thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. Well, we're we're getting there, folks. Amen. We're getting there. We see God doing more every day. We see more people becoming aware of the danger that we're in sometimes with the strong man's influence, and especially in areas of government. You don't want him to get as high up as he is. He's making himself obvious now, and he's making himself known. So when he starts, he doesn't expose himself. He has no choice. So God has exposed this, And it's up to us to come in and clean it up and just make it leave and let go of what he's holding. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. I don't have whatever you fill in the blank. And it don't have me. (laughs) Amen. And I thank you, Jesus. By your stripes. We are healed. Amen. Amen. It's so decreed. Amen again. Praise God. Amen.